This is our point with Zach and Carmen. Hello. Hello. Very bubbly this morning. I guess that weirdo seltzer you were drinking in the last <laughs> podcast really kicked in. Well, I think I'm still like hopped up on the ibuprofen. I did a bunch of yard work slash poured a concrete pad. And so kind of all of my parts hurt. So, so I am, tr- I'm so mainly, um, it looks good, but I am in the pretending that I don't hurt phase. Mm. Um, so I'm pretending that every time I move my knees or, you know, breathe, it doesn't hurt that bad. So positive it's attitude. You, it's funny you say that my sister is currently painting her living room, dining room, hallway and entryway. And she said the same thing last night. She's like, everything is sore. It's so ridiculous. Um, she laid in bed thinking about how much her ankles hurt and she, <laughs> to mitigate this, um, bought compression socks. So oh, no. she, she, was, oh, Sarah. <laughs> she was sitting outside FaceTiming me in like a cap and sunglasses, t-shirt, compression shorts, socks? compression socks, which is going to be the sexiest <laughs> tan line. And then she had sandals on with her so- Like it was just a whole. I just can't. Thank God she has to stay home for a while. I I know. Well. (laughs) I mean, every time I do something like this and I hurt, I don't understand how my parents, obviously, who are in their 50s and do way more manual labor than I do Do on top of full-time jobs for like a sport. I don't understand how they walk. (laughs) I just don't get it. I feel super, super weak. Just so weak. Uh, Can I comment on what you're wearing which is well, awkward because yes. this is a podcast. Yes. Again. Yes, Carmen. I'll tell <laughs> what you what you, I'm wearing. <laughs> what are you wearing, Zach? Looks to be an SDSU sweatshirt. It is. It's comfy. Yeah. It's my it's my Sunday um go to wear. Um so it's pretty great. It's I haven't been outside yet and the sun is shining and it's hot, so I will have to change before I go back outside. But yeah. Oh, I teed this up to tell you about what I was wearing and now I'm gonna screw it up. Um no. so I'm I'm wearing um, a great shirt that I got from a local t-shirt company in Brookings. Uh, it says living blue in a red state. Yeah, you do. So it's it's kind of comforting in this time. And I don't get to go anywhere. I can still wear my Democrat feminist t-shirts. You can. But I mean, at least you can drink from home, which is why I'm sure you have some delicious beverage over there in South Dakota. What, what What's going on today? Uh, I'm sticking with my Haskett style mimosa for today. Okay. So my, cause once you open Prosecco, you got to drink the bottle. There, well, it doesn't like there, save. There is one bottle per glass. So I think that means you've <laughs> opened two bottles. Pretty sure <laughs> I get three mimosas per bottle, All right. which is way, way over the five glasses. If you were just drinking it. In like a regular restaurant pour, but nobody likes. There are no rules. Rest- no rules. No rules. Well, I'm still drinking my spike seltzer because it's kind of refreshing. Seems kind of morningy without getting too hardcore. People can't judge you when you're drinking water. So mm. that's what I'm going. So with. it's hydrating. Yes, hydrating, refreshing. That the is for are- myself when I drank weed and waters. Is that yeah. this is. Totally, totally hydrating. Do you think when you drink those, you have to do the like 
have a drink and then one glass of water to figure out how like does the water in the drink mean that you don't have to drink the extra glass of water well if history tells us anything (laughs) you should also drink the water plain water (laughs) in between the vodka waters that is what i think people should do and by people i mean me well Look, we also had a public service announcement. So look it's at us just go. so it's just so darn tasty. It's the, it it's is. the problem. Well, it's dangerous because you don't understand. You don't understand why things have happened to you because you just had water. Well, and one of our favorite establishments that we used to mm-hmm. uh, patronize every Wednesday was um, a bar in Sioux Falls called David, and they mixed the drinks differently. Like they had, much like my Haskett mimosa, they were a lot of booze and just a teensy, teensy bit of mixer at the top. And so those you absolutely needed to drink water in between because there was not a lot of water in your beverage. Mm. Okay. Shout out, David. Shout out, David. Hang in there. Hang in there, little guy. Hang in there, buddy. Um, So in addition to drinking alcoholic beverages and then the last podcast we talked about comfort food one of the other things that i adore is books i love books mm-hmm. and i was talking to this woman who owns a bookstore in pier and i asked if they were shipping books and how could i I asked her for a favor. So I was like, how can I return this favor? Can I buy a book from you? And she was like, no, but there is this other website called bookshop, bookshop bookshop.org. And so I bought a book from her via this website and now, and I found an article and I want to tell you all about it. So it's called the little booksellers that could how indie stores managed to take a slice of Amazon business. And this is in the Washington post and it is by Sinya Banu. Shout out Sinya. Hope I pronounced that correctly. I was like, good name read. I, I did practice before we started today. So that this website just launched in January, which is kind of crazy that it's so new. And it so it launched bookshop.org. It's a beta site to sell books online. Uh, and the whole goal was basically to get one percent of Amazon's like book share, right? Because Amazon actually started as a bookstore. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people don't remember. Uh, so their goal was not to beat. Like we don't have any have to come anywhere close to that one percent of Amazon sales. Well, fast forward to, I don't know, February, March, when things closed, everything closed, Um, particularly indie bookstores closed uh, because in states, not South Dakota, didn't close any businesses. Well, and they didn't have like those independent stores didn't have their own websites like Barnes & Noble. A lot of them don't, no. And, you know, it's kind of their, it's kind of their deal, right? Their indie bookstores are their they're face-to-face business. They're part of community, you know, like you're in peer and you know the people who are selling you the books, you know, and like, that's not even their full-time job because they're also, you know, working somewhere else. And this is, um, our friend Jason has a bookstore in Sioux Falls and it's, you know, a really a labor of love. So they don't have fully functioning websites. They don't have a robust online sales. And Stephen mentions um, politics and prose in DC that, um, you know, people are trying to, 
uh, support local businesses and local bookshops. And when that hit, like Christmas hit last year at Politics and Prose, they were not prepared for it. And he was like, I'm going to be prepared this year. And they're doing, I actually just signed up for a reading, like a virtual reading at Politics and Prose. I think it's coming up um, next well, week. You send and so, that to me. Uh, yeah, and the, the book is called Pelosi. I, you, oh. I also thought you'd really like it. Yeah, I can't believe that you're hoarding that knowledge until the second. Um, okay. Uh, so the book I actually bought through Bookshop uh, from the Peer Store is um, called Rodham, and it's a fiction book about Hillary. I'm pretty excited about that one, too. I'll share. Well, so anyway, so they said they're on track to actually get 2% of Amazon share this year. And obviously, it's May. We're in May. And their, um, their site is bringing in 150000 in revenue every day and sending about thirty to 40000 of that to bookstores. I think they said earlier it's a 30% cut that goes back to the yeah, um, bookstore, bookstores yeah, that you cool. chose. So I just thought it was a super cool concept and, and how kind of fortuitous that it started before the pandemic and then because like that the first right month, things happened for them right yeah that first month um they made about 50 grand in revenue and distributed about ten thousand to bookstores and then in march when all the bookstores closed their physical doors they signed up with bookshop and then um total sales are at 4.5 million with more than eight hundred seventy thousand of that going to stores so, which is just awesome it is awesome so you have used this i haven't used this so i'm kind of curious about how it works so is it like you go to bookshop.com and then you order a book and they like use one of the independent bookstores to do the shipping? Or do you like go to like politics and pro their website and it's like linked up with bookshare? How does that work? So I went to bookshop. It's.org, not.com. Okay. And then it was like search for your bookstore. And so I searched oh. Prairie pages and peer, which is the one I wanted to yep. support. And then, so Prairie pages has, I don't know, like a little virtual storefront, let's yep. say. But it actually has, like, they didn't, they don't have that book. Um, they are not shipping it to me. It all comes from this hub. But the 30% of my purchase then goes back to Prairie Pages. Oh, so like Prairie Pages doesn't even have to deal with the shipping or all of that stuff. Mm -mm. They're kind of like, it's like Amazon Cares or Target where you can set up <laughs> like kind of your charity per se mm -hmm. to do your kickback too. I think that's um, my understanding. Yes. Well, that's fascinating. I'm going to, which have is to... great. So it works, it works out really well for them. I don't know what bookstores do obviously on their side and like how you get signed up. And um, yeah. so like if I had gone into, if it were open and I had gone in and I had bought my book, they would have ended up with a higher percentage of the sale. Right. Mm -hmm. But something's better option. than nothing. Right. Yeah. Totally. So, well, that's really great to know. I'm going to have to remember that as opposed to giving Amazon all my business because I have a love, obviously a love hate relationship with Amazon because I want the physical stores to always be open because I actually like to shop in person or in person over. Oh my God. Uh, don't you miss browsing? Um, everything I miss, about it. I miss and the best part about like those independent bookstores is the browsing, right? I, sure. that's how you find probably all. I mean, some of the most pleasurable books that I've ever are ones that I've stumbled across, not ones that. Oh, and the displays, the and yeah, so it's just, and like, here's what our staff is reading. I'm like, oh, tell me more about that. I love it. It goes back to like it's kind of an event, right? It's mm -hmm. not just running through the store, grabbing a book, and leaving. It's an event. Um, speaking of an event, 
I, I do a lot of the speaking of an event, but um, <laughs> one other thing that I love that I wanted to share with you all, um, similar to bookshop.org, is the new TV show on Netflix called Hollywood. It is the new Ryan Murphy piece that is on Netflix, and it just came out this past Friday. And the article that I found, um, so I could talk about (laughs) this TV show, (laughs) is in the New York Times, uh, and it is written by Alexis Soloski. Soloski. Alexis Soloski. And what it really goes on to say is, of course, this TV show is set in the 1940s of Hollywood, predominantly when all of these men were coming back from the military and trying to become TV actors, right, or movie stars, the next leading men of Hollywood as they, you know, went to full sound pictures and yada, yada, yada. So it's very much follows um, these folks trying to make it big. And there, of course, is a lot of content that is gay. Um, Ryan Murphy tends to do that, right? He partnered up with a fe- the fellow creator of Glee and that he worked with on Pose. So there's a lot of really great folks in this. Patty Lapone is in here. Oh, I love um, her. Yeah, the Broadway legend. When she first came on the screen in the first episode, I was like, oh my God, is that fucking Patty Lapone? What is she doing? And the things that Patty Lapone does, I'm like, girl. <laughs> get, get it. Um, but it, the premise of the show is really about what would have happened if everything was perfect in Hollywood for those folks that were disenfranchised, right? So it talks about gay characters and what it would have been like in the 40s if they wouldn't have had to hide or, hide or lie that they were gay to the Asian actors if they would have been able to be leading ladies as opposed to like all the great parts having to go to white women because nobody wanted to see a, a, a movie with a Asian actress to same with African-American actors, right? What it would have been like if they were leading roles as opposed to, you know, being cast as servants and kind of this idealistic world. But the part of the show that I really, really like so far, and I'm only three episodes in was, and I thought that Carmen would really like this is they took kind of like the stereotypical sexism, chauvinistic, the, you know, the Harvey Weinstein stuff that we all come and know where the men are predators to all of these women who want to become, you know, stars, right? You think of the, the movie that came out recently with about Fox news, right? These women mm-hmm. that want to go up the ranks and become these news personalities and they kind of flipped it on its head. Right. So it is all about these men that are desperate to like make it big and them being taken advantage of. So there's the women are coming in and like paying the men for sex and like using the man and so sassy that Ryan Murphy it's great it kind of like turns instead of like the the women being desperate to be famous and trying to you know do whatever they have to do to you know get the next gig it is men that are having to go through this and so I thought on top of like it being a really great story I thought there was a really interesting discussion about the show in general how it kind of took what could have still been really great content right from a show perspective but didn't take the easy way out, right? It would have been really easy for Ryan Murphy and these folks to make a show about women actresses wanting to become the next Judy Garland and them being taken advantage of by the movie executives and 
you know, just the horrors, but to put men in this role, I think is kind of awakening for folks to, because it's really easy for me as a guy to be like, oh, I can't believe what it would be like if they had to do that, right? Because I have, of course, never been propositioned from sex from a boss, but um, that's a different story. But it, it was it's just really great that they took all of those, I think, you know, stereotypical what we would expect Hollywood to be like and kind of turned it on its head and made the guy be the person that has to deal with all of this sexism and you know, clawing your way to, to make it big um, when people aren't taking you um, for your talent. So I think you should check it out. I'm, that sounds very exciting. If you were the second person to tell me about that, because I'm always fascinated about Ryan Murphy and the, the way his mind works, right? I mean, between Glee and American Horror Story, it's a pretty broad swap of content. And nip talk. I just I can never forget Nip Talk. Like that is so different than any of these shows. And my new my newest love of Nine One One Lone Star was also Ryan Murphy. Um, and and he does have that like d- cast. Um, like what if we ha- had a gay fireman, a trans fireman, a Muslim woman fire lady? Like how do we put all this cast together? And then you know, it turns out it doesn't fucking matter, and they all fight fires. Uh, but you have these um this lovely diverse cast and i that sounds great well they, you know it this kind is of the entertainment on, issue yeah totally it kind of focuses on for folks that know anything about like old hollywood hattie mcdonald who was the first mm-hmm. african woman to win an oscar um anime wong who was kind of like the first um asian american actress to make it big and then of course rock hudson who you know, had to deny that he was gay for so long um, and kind of flips on his head. Like if we were in a perfect world and he went back to the forties when these people are making it big and they just got to be who they were, um, what would that be like? So it's great. Check it out. Awesome. Well, we have plenty of time to check things out like books and TV shows. Uh, but I feel like we should take a, I'm thirsty. Uh, get a refill. Yeah. Take a drink refill break. Time. Uh, well, we all have plenty of time to check out that TV show and buy some books uh, because we're still in the middle of a global pandemic. And depending on what state you live in, you may or may not still be stuck at home. I think you guys, you're at home through, what, the 18th, Minnesota? The 18th. Although I'll tell you, if you go outside, it's like the wild, wild west. Everybody is over it. Don't get me started because obviously South Dakota we're in a Your different malls are open let's go shopping no i think that empire mall it's gonna open next week yeah monday and this podcast opens airs on thursday no no no. they pushed it back <gasps> did they i thought i read that it was they changed it was originally the fifth and i feel like it got pushed back but all right anyway do whatever you want south dakota <laughs> we're we're libertarian to the point of killing people um so i've had several friends that are really you know because you know you and i uh tend to be a little type a a little um competitive i mean you're pouring a patio on on your saturday like we we get things done we're productive people we like i freelance in addition to a full-time job in addition to now we do a podcast like we we're better than everybody else let's just be honest i mean i wasn't gonna say it but sure (laughs) Okay. 
and I have friends that are of similar mindsets. You know, someone's training for a marathon in addition to being a parent slash homeschooling slash also being a teacher and actually schooling. And someone else is um, also um, like trying to work from home and get all of these things done. And we're just like, I can't do it. Like my, br- I'm tired things that would normally take me 20 minutes, take me an hour. Like it's just, and so I found this article, which really uh, kind of drives home the point and it's from vice, vice.com in their health section. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's called all static load is the psychological reason for our pandemic brain fog. Okay. So now we've named it, name it, claim it, gives it less power, but now you know what we're talking about. And this is by uh, Emily Barron called Cadloff and um, kind of talks about like, okay, so we've all been working from home since March and we had a real dream schedule. We're going to wake up, maybe make some tea, do some yoga, uh, meditate, write in our gratitude journal. (laughs) I'm going to walk my dog three miles every day. Oh, it's going to be like delightful. Turns out it's waking up reading Twitter, scream internally for 15 minutes, stare into space. Uh, We only still walk the dog because we need to, but that's the bare, bare minimum. And the most like disturbing clothes to be seen in public. Oh, the the things that I have left this house in are like, whatever, don't even care. So we're talking about days and like bare minimum, minimum viable product. You have to walk the dog, eat food, and like log on to your computer and still work. Um, keeping up energy with M&Ms. She talks about uh, what she she creates, what she ambitiously calls grazing plates, which I'm sure in her head started out as charcuterie platters and is really <laughs> just like olives, a pear, and a handful of dry cinnamon toast crunch. <laughs> uh, and it, this is it. It's stress hormones. It's, uh, it's the reason, so she goes on to say, it's called all static load. Um, and we're exhausted, not because our body is working hard, but because of the anxiety and strain of the pandemic, your brain is working hard. Like we're constantly exposed to stress and this is why we can't do anything. Yeah. And we're like repetitively going through like the same thing over and over again. So we're just like regurgitating it. Well, and some people are like me, I live alone. And so in addition to everything else, like I have no non-video interaction or very little non-video mm-hmm. interaction. Uh, but whereas you live with a partner, but that's a whole different other like thing. Cause now you have this person in your space that is also like taking your energy. And so it's mm-hmm. just a different struggle neither of us have kids which i gotta say it's a godsend right now lucky us for sure (laughs) sorry y'all and so at the end it was like so how do we get back like how do we get back to what we need and they're like yeah um don't judge yourself if you feel stressed don't think that i have failed today because i haven't done anything like change your underwear Maybe eat a vegetable. Sometimes like, shower. Maybe see the sunshine. Take a nap if you need it. Like, and basically, because I've now been sharing this with friends, this gives you validation that it's not 
you that this is a real thing that you're feeling. And two, cut yourself some fucking slack. This is hard. And it is unprecedented. I mean, I, you know, usually keep busy, have a bunch of things going on. And I definitely find myself really struggling some days to get anything done. And it is, you know, having two things on your work task list that would take you 20 minutes and you just like stare at your computer and can't get anything done. It takes all day. If you get them done at all. And you're bombarded with all the uncertainty that's going on in the world. I mean, I think, to be honest, I think a lot of people are depressed and easily understandable. I never thought that I would be that way, but I definitely find myself some days in those same pitfalls. It talks about in this article, the author goes on to talk about like in, in their regular life, they would see dozens of people every day. They would commute to work and have some alone time to listen to like the fun radio stations or a podcast like ours that you really love. You would go out for lunch. You'd meet up with friends. Maybe you'd go to the gym or go shopping or stop at the store. All of those little things that like give you a break from your brain and thinking and keep you busy and moving. You just, we don't have those, right? So all of kind of our coping mechanisms to deal with stress or bad days are are really taken are away from us and we're just left with the misery of it. And this kind of reminds me not to completely uh, derail us, but Brene Brown, who has a podcast as well, she had an episode that I found um, really fascinating where her and her partner, you know, she travels a lot for work and does speeches and comes home and she's exhausted and she would get home and just be like, oh my God, thank God I'm home so I can go lay in bed and go to sleep. But at the same point, her husband, who has been at home working his full-time job, taking care of the kids, cleaning the house, running them all around, would see when she came home, be like, oh my God, thank God she's home so I can go lay in bed and take a nap. And I feel like we're kind of, I feel at least living with my partner, kind of have that similar mindset. And they came up with a way to kind of be okay with not being at a hundred percent. And just because somebody is at 40% doesn't mean that the other person has to be at 60 to get you to a full 100, that it's okay for you both to be at 10% and 15% and have a plan for how you're going to get back up to a hundred that doesn't, you know, require you murdering each other. Um, and I, I am so glad you brought that up. I loved that episode and they talk about the deficit and how they, and they actually looped in their kids and like, okay, you know, dad and I are at 60. Like, who's going to pull the rest of the weight around here? And that means well, someone else can unload the dishwasher. That means someone else can, like, we're going to have takeout and we're going to be fine with that. We're not going to make. Yeah. And they kind of came up meal. with like a, a perfect, they called it the gap plan where, you know, if you were below a certain level, right, that there would be like mandatory, everybody has to get eight hours of sleep. And even though it's miserable, you have to like go for a walk. And sometimes like, while the comfort food is great and I can see how we get it, like maybe you have to eat a vegetable, right? Because if you eat healthy, better foods for you, you sometimes don't feel as bad, whether or not that's, you know, just feeling like a slug or you've, <laughs> you've overate, you've ate all the carbs and now you can't move from the couch. But, you know, her podcast or her conversation about this gap plan kind of goes back to your article and it's okay to not be at 100%. It's okay to be at 15% and be at 15% for three days in a row. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I very much feel that myself there. I feel like I am yo-yoing all over the place from being at a day where I'm at a hundred or 80 and then being at a day where I'm at a five. And I don't really have a good reason for why I'm at a five. Like it just doesn't like in a normal predicament, nothing happened that I would be at a five by besides maybe Donald Trump telling us that we should drink bleach and that's going to solve our world's problems. <laughs> that definitely brings me down. Um, and doesn't, I mean, the weather has a huge part to deal with me anyways. Mm-hmm. Like, thank God for the sun right now. Um, but this brain frog, this allostatic load, I think definitely puts it into perspective that, again, we are in an unprecedented time. This has never really happened before. It's okay just to get through it. We just have to get through it. That's right. And if you can exercise one day, great job. And if you do eat a vegetable, ex- like really celebrate your wins because that also will kind of trick your mind and to be like, I felt so good when I did that. Mm-hmm. How can I do that again? And then some days you're just not going to do it. No. I napped. My parents tilled the garden yesterday. My sister did all of that painting and I like drove to the vet for my dog's medicine and then took a nap that <laughs> I was an, I was an excellent dog parent. And then I went back to bed well, and I'm I love, okay with that. Well, I love it in this thing. It talks about like, you know, of course her perfect schedule of what she was going to do. And then being like, you woke up at eight, got out of bed. And by 10 o'clock, you're like, Oh my God, can I take a nap? <laughs> right. Been there. That is me almost every day. Oh my God. I had a roommate in college who did that and she was incredibly, she was far more organized than me. And so she had Saturdays to do things where I did not. And she would get up and like eat breakfast and go back to bed. She's a mom now. So she's not doing that (laughs) shit right now. She's homeschooling. She's homeschooling. (laughs) I'm the one napping after breakfast. Well, if it's okay to be sad and not understand what's going on in the world, this is going to make everybody feel way better um for all those folks that um like carmen and i grew up as good lutheran children know the old testament i'm pretty sure (laughs) we are dealing with some end of the world stuff we have the plague and now here come the locusts there was an article that has been circulating on the social medias from the new york times called murder hornets in the u.s the rush to stop the asian giant hornet um, by mike baker this article is terrifying. We, I don't even know what's going on anymore. There apparently are, is this hornet that came from Japan, um, or we believe came from Japan, and it's starting to um, appear in Washington State. Poor Washington State. They're getting the I was going to say, all... were they the gateway to yes, the virus? Like, yeah. We, we need to get, we need to build a wall up there. Um, and it's also apparently um, been shown up in Canada, but this hornet, which is like two inches long and has buggy eyes like spider, like actual Spider-Man and some like weird claw things. Apparently the people are finding these beekeepers because we all know that the bees are going to extinct already. And when the bees go in- extinct, we're all dead for real. Well, now there is this giant ass hornet who apparently decapitates bees. Like it gets into a bee nest and it just takes their heads off of their bodies. And in a matter of hours can destroy an entire colony. But on top of that, these hornets have stingers that 
apparently can penetrate through bee suits. And this guy who wore in this article, like shorts, a pair of sweatpants, some Kevlar on his ankles and wrists. And he got attacked by these hornets because they, of course, don't work in singular fashion. They're, they, they're swarm attackers. Sure. Yep. And he said it was the worst thing. He's, they got a bunch of them. And it felt like a hot thumbtack being shoved into your skin. And these um, are called murder hornets because in Asia, in Japan, there's like 50 people a year that die of these things because you don't get just stung by one, but if you get stung by like seven, they have the same equivalence of poison as like venomous snakes and they kill you. These things will kill you. Carmen, <laughs> what is happening? So I saw this article on Twitter the, the weekend, the last... 48 hours and I refuse to click on it. I'm like, no, I can't handle murder hornets. I can't, I can't, I can't even look at it. And then today Zach sends me his articles and he was like, oh yeah. And I'm doing this last one on murder hornets. It's like, God damn it. I was trying Uh, to live in blissful ignorance for a few more days. Well, these hornets are so big that they're trying to trap them, right, to figure out where they're coming from. And they think they live in the ground, which is where other hornets' nests are. And the activity in a hornet's nest in the winter can keep the ground up to 86 degrees. So these are gigantic. These aren't bugs. These are birds. We have birds (laughs) with venom. And it says when they get to bees, they um, fly away with the thoraxes from the bees to feed their young. Um, they like literally take their little chompers and chomp the bee in half and take parts of the bee back to feed the other murder hornets. If this, I'm not a person that's afraid of bees or hornets in general, but if a two inch like <laughs> bird bee with a stinger that can kill you, I can't handle that. Like this is the locust. What did we do? I'm going to go out and murder a sheep and like put blood over my door. I don't like this is getting, this is getting to be out of hand. Yeah. I, what did, what did bees do wrong? Like why? I don't know. These poor little guys. They're just trying to like go to flower to flower and make our world better. Just buy some artisanal honey. You guys support the bees. Well, these poor like bee farmers are like having these maps trying to figure out where these hornets are coming from. But this article goes on to say that if we, like, in the course of a year or two, can't, like, get this under control and get rid of these murder hornets, basically we're fucked. That's how it ends. Well, on that note, everybody go Google. Everybody go Google a hornet, a murder hornet. Or or don't, or don't do that. Well, and I'm somebody who wants to go to Japan really bad. Not anymore. Like, what are these things doing over there? How come we've never heard about murder hornets before? They've been around for a while. How come Japan hasn't gotten rid of these things? That's a really good point. Honestly, they should have gotten rid of that before it hit the United States. Let's do this. Japan, get rid of the murder hornets. Minnesota, America, get rid of the mosquitoes. What else do they have? They need to look ahead. Well, I think that they probably have that dress, one of the Jurassic Park parks over there. 
I mean, a murder hornet sounds like something Steven Spielberg would have came up for Jurassic Park. Hmm. Actually, it sounds like the name of Ryan Murphy's next um, <laughs> project, actually. You're probably right. Well, let's let's end this on a more positive note. Carmen, any any parting thoughts? I do. I I finally um, remembered the awesome local T-shirt place where I got my living uh, blue and a red state T-shirt, and it is from Clean Slate Design and Print and Second Skin Tees in Brookings. Yes, awesome. it is a woman-owned business. They yeah. are both amazing. They have really quick. Um, Turn times, the great Dems up there in Brookings. So yeah, shout out. Go, go, go shout out. Thanks, They're guys. right across from the public library. And I do love libraries. You do. Um, my parting thought goes back to the TV show Hollywood. I want to live in Ryan Murphy's world. These men in the show are it's too beautiful. Terrifying. I'm not sure. I mean, well, not the horror story part. Like, <laughs> like let's skip that Just show. Specific to Hollywood. Okay, the Hollywood. Glee, Nip Tuck, beautiful, beautiful people. So mm-hmm. um, if you want point. to watch a television show with gorgeous folks, um, I'm specifically talking to you, Phil. This show <laughs> is for you. So I anticipate a couple of days from now getting text messages late at night. Um, please watch this show. It's life-changing. It's beautiful. And he has Hulu because he has my for Netflix. It's Netflix. Oh, We'll give it mine. We'll right. we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So, hmm. all right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Good talk. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to our point. To stay up to date and for links of the articles that we discussed in this podcast, join us on Facebook and Twitter at Our Point Podcast. If you have articles that you would like us to discuss, feel free to tag us on Facebook or Twitter, or you can also email us at ourpointpodcast at gmail.com.